the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. We are in this together. It was pretty special to hear, even as I was being prayed for, as folks were gathering around me, to hear in surround sound the words of the church, the declaration of the church, that we are in this together, that God has given us all this ministry, this ministry of, rec- of reconciliation. And that's what we've been talking about in these past few weeks as we think about how, how do we as Christians, how do we as a congregation lean into that ministry that God has given us to be intentional, to be creative, to be persistent in our call and in our mission, to be those who are inviting other people to know God. We long for people who don't yet know God to come to know Him through a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And to guide us through this five-week series, we've been using the acronym BLESS. These five letters that remind us how we can be growing in our use of, of everyday practices, growing in our habits, so that From week to week, we might be those who bless those around us and point people to the love of God. And we saw as we began that B stands for begin with prayer. We know that we can be ambassadors. We can be those who seek to be ministers of reconciliation. We can share the good news about new life in Jesus Christ. But it is God and God's Spirit who woos people to Himself, who draws people to Himself, and who grants the gift of faith. And so we pray, pray for those around us. We pray for ourselves that God would equip us to be faithful in our mission. And we pray to God expectantly and listening. And that's what the L stands for, that we listen with care. And if you were with us that week, we we learned from the example of, of Philip, who seemed to have this ability to listen to the Holy Spirit on one hand, and at the same time be able to listen to the people around him. We saw that as he encountered an Ethiopian man on the desert road that day, he was attentive and obedient to God's Spirit, and he listened to what God was doing in this man's life. And so we listen with care. Because even before we share about what we know and believe, even before we share those things that we think people around us need to hear, need to know, need to believe, we pay attention to their lives. We listen to their stories. We listen for signs of what God is already doing in their lives. We listen for things to give us insights into what is important in the life of this other person. And then last week we saw it's actually really important to eat together. That was kind of a fun week to say, yeah, sharing a meal is also important. We learned from the model of Jesus who seemed to demonstrate that sharing a meal with someone is a way to demonstrate care for them. We recognize that sharing a meal with someone gives us unrushed, more relaxed space to listen to their stories, to to literally share life with them as we enjoy food together. We see that when Jesus met with others, it was a way for him to slow down and demonstrate love. And so maybe you've had an opportunity to do that in this past week, to share a meal, whether it was in your own home or at a restaurant or at school with someone, or maybe even to go onto their turf, as we saw that Jesus sometimes did. And then this morning, we move to the first of the S's, which is serve. 
which is, I think, so appropriate for this Sunday where you have formalized your call to me to be one who serves among you. And it is my honor to, to do that, to serve with love. We look at Jesus as our model for all that we do as his disciples, and we see that, yes, he often began with prayer. He began busy moments and seasons with prayer. He was a man of frequent prayer. We saw that he listened with care to those around him. He took time. He stopped. He paused. He shared meals with those around him. And we see perhaps more powerfully and poignantly than any of these that he was one who served. The Gospels paint for us a portrait of Jesus who again and again serves by putting the needs of others ahead of his own. In the Gospel of John chapter 13, we read about the night that we remember and celebrate today when Jesus came to the table with his disciples as a servant among them. Let me read for us John chapter 13 verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus, in the upper room that night, shocked his friends by doing something for them that normally would have been assigned to the lowliest of the servants, to actually be the person who physically got down and removed the dirt, the dust, the mud, the grime from off the feet, from between the toes of these people who traveled 
dusty roads that were shared by animals. It was low and thankless work. And John makes a point to tell us that Jesus did this knowing full well where he had come from, who he was, and where he was going. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew that though he was soon heading to the cross, he would also soon be rising in glory and ascending to heaven. And John tells us that what Jesus did that night, his actions represented a kind of proof of how far and how long he loved his disciples. He said it was proof that Jesus loved them to the very end. This kind of humble service that Jesus demonstrated was a tangible act of his love for his friends. And as Jesus took off his outer robe, as he wrapped that towel around him, as he came to each of his friends in turn, he knelt before them even before Judas, who he knew was going to betray him. Jesus demonstrating a kneeling kind of love. A kneeling love. Not a condescending love, if there really could be such a thing. I think that's kind of an oxymoron. Not a superior love, not a love out of pity, but a kneeling, servant-hearted love. Jesus, their teacher, their master, their Lord, was willing to lower himself to serve his friends and put their needs before his own. And when he was finished, he said to them, I have set you an example that now you should go and do as you have seen me do for you. And so this morning, we want to learn from that example. We want to be people who, along with those disciples, learn from the master about what it means to love the way he does. And as we look at this story, this account from Scripture, we learn three truths about what kneeling love really involves. First, we see that kneeling love involves our heads, and we are called to go low, to think low. It actually matters what we think about ourselves compared to the people around us. We may not spend much conscious time doing that, but if we stop to think about it, we place ourselves in some sort of pecking order or hierarchy. We think of ourselves, compare ourselves to others, and very often someone's higher, someone's lower, and we recognize that there are at least some people that, to be honest, we would consider lower than ourselves. There certainly would be acts of service that we would consider beneath us. And the Apostle Paul knew that this very mental uh, stretch would be a challenge for the disciples of Jesus. And so, in his letter to the Christians in Philippi, he wrote, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Paul writes about the mindset of Jesus. 
Jesus, who had every reason in the world to have a very high opinion of himself, to think of himself highly. He, he was, after all, and is God himself. But Paul says, and we see in this, this account of John, that Jesus had a mindset of humility, that mentally he was prepared to go low, to put himself least. You think about that dinner that night as the disciples gathered to celebrate the Passover, Jesus would have had the seat of honor. He was their revered rabbi. He was the one who was going to oversee and officiate this commemoration of the Passover meal. And he got up and left that seat, that place of honor, put on a towel, and took the place of a servant who was lowest among them all. We see from this example of Jesus too that night that kneeling love involves our hearts and that we are called to go last. If you look at Luke's account of what leads up to this last supper gathering in the upper room, it's fascinating to see that while Jesus and his disciples were on the road to this very meal, a fight broke out among the disciples. It was a fight about which of them was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. The disciples were still thinking that somehow Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government, set up his own cabinet, and there would be positions at stake. And so they were making their own cases, jockeying for position in that new, what they thought was a coming cabinet. The disciples revealed themselves to be saturated in the world's understanding of power and placement and greatness, even as they followed in the footsteps of their leader, their master, who is such a blatant contradiction to the world's model of greatness. So Jesus washed his disciples' feet that night for them to get it into their hearts that they had the wrong idea of power and position. Jesus told Peter, you don't understand now what I am doing for you, but later you will understand And we can imagine Peter years later, thinking back on that night, seeing how Jesus had the heart that led him to go last, to kneel before and to serve, yes, Judas, who he knew would betray him, but also to serve Thomas, who he knew would doubt his resurrection, and then to come to Peter, who he knew was going to betray him and deny him three times that night. It's only by allowing God to nurture in us hearts that are willing to go last that we can possibly, possibly serve those around us who betray us, who doubt us, who want nothing to do with us. Unless God gets hold of our hearts and transforms us from the inside out, how can we possibly love those who hurt us, those who talk about us behind our backs? Love those who just don't like us for whatever reason. We see that night that the love of Jesus was demonstrated in his actions. And so we recognize that kneeling love in the style of Jesus involves our hands as well. And that we are called to go love as he did. Jesus told his disciples that night, it's actually not just enough to know these things. He said, you will be blessed if you do them. We learn from, our exam- from the example of our master, not just from what it comes to think of ourselves, not just to, 
from what it means to have our hearts in the right place, but what it means to put our hearts and minds into actions in everyday life. And so, full disclosure, this is where things can get inconvenient when it comes to our actions, when it goes beyond the thoughts of our minds, the inclinations of our hearts, when it goes into those decisions that actually shape the things we do day to day. This means we might need to overcome some momentum. Sometimes there's momentum in our thought patterns that's going to make it hard and it's going to make it challenging for us to to think about ourselves in a low position. We might need to break some of those habits. There might be some momentum in our hearts when it comes to being willing to go last, to actually stop, to let others get ahead of us, to see our own position drift lower and lower. And there might be some momentum, honestly, in our schedules when it comes to what we do and to allow some space to be breathed in and built into our everyday lives to be attentive to those things God calls us to do with our hands and with our time. To actually put our hands and our time and our energy to use to bless the people around us takes effort. And we might find ourselves interrupted. We might find ourselves inconvenienced. But very often we'll also find ourselves incredibly joyful. I think about times in my own life where I've, I've had a, a full day One of those days where the the demands of the day uh, exceed what you thought was the energy you had. I'm sure you've had those. So at the end of the day, it's so nice to be able to take some time to decompress, catch a breath. On days like that, I I love to just be with my family, kind of veg out, maybe watch a show. And those can be important times to replenish, to recharge, and to refuel But I have to admit that I don't think there's ever been a morning in my life where I've woken up thinking, I feel so blessed and refreshed. That was so life-giving and soul-refreshing that I got to watch Netflix last night. It, It just doesn't happen. We recognize there are certain things that give us reprieve, but they don't truly fill us. It's actually more likely that after a day that was filled with interruption or inconvenience, a day where I had to set my own priorities and plans aside, something came up and I was called to serve and to serve with love, it's more common that that day would be followed by a morning filled with a prayer that goes something like this. God, that felt good. God, you were in that. God, you were at work. God, you used me, and you've given me joy. As I close this morning, I'd like to remind all of us, including myself, that as we bless people by serving them with love, we need to remember that we serve with no strings attached. When we serve people, yes, we hope that that they will come to see God's love at work in us and through us, They'll get a little, little taste of, of Jesus through our actions, but we don't serve with some demanding expectation that now someone does something for us in return. As we serve as Christians, we don't say, well, I served you, now you need to become a Christian. Our prayer is that as we serve, as we pour out our lives 
for the sake of the kingdom, that God would use those actions to draw people to himself. It's interesting to see that that night in the upper room, Jesus didn't tell his disciples to serve others as a way of making disciples. He told them to serve others so that they would be like him. And so even as we tell people with our words what we believe, what we hold to be true about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, share with them how it's our heart's desire that they would know that same joy. As we serve with acts of kneeling love, people are given a picture that goes along with our words. In a world that desperately needs Jesus, by the grace of God, we get to be like Him in our minds, in our hearts, and with our hands. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, Master, Teacher, Lord, would you help us to be like you? Help us to think like you. Help us to love like you and to serve like you. Jesus, it goes so against our nature to think of ourselves low, to put ourselves last, and to love and act in ways that genuinely cost us. So, Lord, would you guide us? Spirit, would you shape us? And, Father, would you bless us so that we might be a blessing in your name? Amen.